Mathematical ratios of pitch relations, time placements, etc. Aesthetic coloration via instruments and recording or performance variables. Subjective memories of Mama and or dear old Kentucky. Technical skill, or lack thereof, of performers. Literal meaning of lyrics slash metaphorical meaning of lyrics, intentional, via artist. Literal meaning of lyrics slash metaphorical meaning of lyrics, coincidental, via individual listener. Reference to other works, accidental, deliberate, anticipatory, Jungian collective uki, et al. Rockin' swing and vibe, daddy Strangeness. Familiarity. Patina of age. Perceived coolness. Reflexive response to 1980s orchestral hit sample effect or other. Racial or other prejudice, pro or con. Fatal presence of soprano saxophone slash children's choir. Complexity or simplicity. Song length. Surface noise slash digital glitches slash broadcast interference. Melisma. Expectations. State of sobriety. Specific traumatic or ecstatic life event mnemonically summoned. Or the clockwork orange effect. Irony serving as cover for real but unwelcome emotional response. Unexpected moment of liftoff. And or sprocket catches whole moment of confirmed epiphany. Buckaroo. Holiday. Buckaroo Holiday. And just like that, another Buckaroo Holiday begins. It's been a while, hasn't it? I think it's been about a month. Did you miss me? Ah, go on. Who are you kidding? Anyway, here we are. I have a couple of uh, commissions that are ready to go, and I have a couple of very complex ones that I'm still working on. Uh, but they're, they're all getting there. But the thing is, I didn't want to drop the uh, commissions right now, even though I have these ones ready to go, and they're long overdue. It's just been so long since regular shows, and I, I don't know, I think of this as our thing, you know, me and you. This is really how we got started together, isn't it? The regular podcast is always going to have a special place in my heart. Maybe I'm an old sentimentalist. I don't know. But when I think of you, and I think of us, I think of this. And this is where we are. And this is what I'm doing today. It has been a very hectic month. Some good things, some bad things, and things that are just, I don't know, hard to deal with after a year of dealing with almost nothing on a day-to-day basis. Now that people are coming out of their cubby holes and... The weather's getting hot and all this stuff. It's a little bit disorienting. My kids have graduated high school, which was a few moments of great pride and joy and a lot of reminders of why the school years of my children were even more traumatic for me than my own school years. God, I hate school, but that's another topic for another day. Had a long-awaited reunion of the schoolyard gents, the core, which was mostly great. Nice to see those guys again. 
We also just got back from a vacation to Knobles. I'll tell you all about that, maybe later. I have nothing particular planned, but it's summer. It's the middle of summer, so let's act like it. Here's a song that uh, I've played before and I'll play again because it's the greatest thing ever. And for me, it's always been and always will be summer itself. My favorite record. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. Get around, I get around, yeah. 
Some vocalizing there from the Osborne brothers. It's the Cuckoo Bird, which is a song that goes way, way back. It's like one of them child ballads, you know, uh, old English, Scottish, Irish folk songs. It turns up with various names, various places over the years. That version by the Osborne brothers, I think, I think it's some, some beautiful harmonizing on that. They had the big hit uh, Rocky Top, that uh, beloved song. They had a huge hit with that, I think, in the late 60s. 
And before those brothers, we had some sisters, Kate and Anna McGarrigal. The late Kate McGarrigal was the mother of, uh, what's his name, Rufus Wainwright and his sister Martha. She was married to Loudon Wainwright, who was their father. And Anna McGarrigal wrote that song, Heart Like a Wheel, which was covered by a lot of people also, maybe not as much as the Cuckoo Bird, but plenty of people, including Linda Ronstadt, I think, but nothing tops that version. Just gorgeous. They had quite a career, worked with a lot of interesting people, including Nick Cave. They did backup on a Nick Cave album, which is kind of crazy to me. Kind of like the Beatles doing backup for Lenny Kravitz. Well, maybe not that bad, but you know what I mean? It's just a a little unusual. Anyway, they were Canadians, and I kind of poached that from a set list for a special all-Canadian Buckaroo holiday coming up. We heard a movement from the Sonata for Althorn and Piano by the German composer Paul Hindemith. He worked in a lot of different styles, all of it very modern. A lot of it is amazing. Did most of his stuff, uh, uh, pumpkins barking. Most of it through the middle of the 20th century, 30s, 40s, 50s. If you want to check out more of his stuff, uh, you might want to hear his symphonic metamorphosis, great piece, another piece called Mathis de Mahler, which I don't think has anything to do with Johnny Mathis or Gustav Mahler, but uh, I'm not sure. It's in German. And of course, that was a natural piece to play after I Get Around by Brian Wilson. I mean, I I guess I could claim that that was a sibling set, right? Except Paul Hindemith kind of screws it up. Did he have siblings? I'd have to look it up. I don't know. But we're all brothers and sisters, aren't we? Whatever. Mike Murphy presents a small tribute to an American songwriter and performer, piano player, Mose Allison. Kind of worked in the tradition of singer-songwriters like Hoagie Carmichael, maybe Fats Waller, that kind of thing. Although Allison's work was more typically straight blues in terms of the musical part of the equation, which kind of loses me sometimes. I was never a huge Mose Allison fan, but, uh, you know, dug a lot of his stuff. We've heard a song of his previously on here done by Leon Russell called Smashed. When I was a teenager, I tuned into a show called Soundstage on Channel 13, PBS to see Mose Allison's set, and half the show was devoted to another piano-playing singer-songwriter named Tom Waits. And I became an instant fan of Tom Waits, and if you can find that episode of Soundstage, maybe on YouTube, you ought to do it. It's a great show. And what prompted this was uh, The Stranglers, a band that I love. And I was listening to some stuff by Hugh Cornwell, former leader of The Stranglers, he had a song called Mosin, like very recent, a couple of years ago. And uh, I liked the song, but I didn't know what he meant by the word Mosin until I read an interview with him where he said it was a uh, tribute to Mose Allison, as were most of the songs on that album, tributes to various people. So we're going to do a little triptych here. It's uh, going to be a track from Mose Allison's first album, the largely instrumental album called Back country suite and then I'll play the Hugh Cornwell song Mosin that's from the album Monster I think it was uh, 2019 or 2018 forget which but Hugh is still firing on all cylinders from what that album tells me 
Then we're going to go to uh, one of Mose Allison's later tracks before he passed away. It's called Was, and it's unusually touching for him. Most of his stuff is kind of sarcastic or uh, just very witty. And this one here, it is witty, but it's witty in the service of kind of a uh, wistful, retrospective take on life. So uh, here we go. First up is Spring Song. Cause he's mousing 
when I become worse and we become worse will there be any sign or a trace of the lovely contour of your face and will there be someone around with essentially my kind of sound when Someone have moments like this Moments of unspoken bliss And will there be heroes and saints Or just the dark new of complaints
now that I am an old man, I am impressed by old people who keep their creativity going. And especially songwriters who can speak to that experience. I think I might have talked before about how much I uh, am struck by the way Sid Barrett almost uh, gave us a report on the progress of his mental disorder. As he was going downhill mentally, his creativity was seemingly untouched for a while. And he took that brief moment to explain to us some of what it was like. And that's one of the things I find so powerful about his work. And it's not as dramatic, maybe, to hear old people talk about what it's like to be old. But it's almost as rare, despite the fact that uh, more of us are going to experience that than are going to experience what Sid did. So Moe's really nails something there that I find really touching. And when Hugh Cornwell talks about Moe's in the present tense, that's how it feels, too. I think young people think you get old and you change somehow, you become an old person. You're still the same person in your head. Maybe more sorrow, maybe more cynicism, maybe more balance, maybe more wisdom, I don't know, you know, but um, you're the same person. Mainly for me right now, the task, the difficulty is despreocuparse, uh, which is really bad Portuguese for uh, to stop worrying. And it's also the name of this song, by the band Bugarins.
waiting for a man to show why he died one eye fixed on the door. It's waiting, it's killing me, it's wearing me down. Bedroom floor. Want someone to hold me close forevermore. I'm a sleeping dog, but you can't tell. Moses on the mountain top. Well, brother Moses smoked the water, 
and the seas give away. Then he stamped his laws into Moses' heart. Well, brother Moses smote the water, and the seas give away. Well, brother Moses smote the water, and the children all passed away. Well, 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 and the seas give away. Brother Moses smote the water by the Golden Gate Quartet. I think they recorded that in the late 40s. I found it at a Salvation Army thrift store when he could still commonly find 78 records there. So this is uh, <laughs> going back a few years. But um, yeah, in among the albums, there would often be boxes of old 78s, and uh, I always tried to snag them if I could if they were in any kind of decent shape. And that was one of the finer discoveries of those efforts. Always amazed me in its precision that uh, percussive effect they're able to get, but at the same time remain so fluid and those um, ghostly almost interjections. Well, you know, um, song of faith in times of great crisis, song of deliverance, promise of deliverance, which is a nice idea. I would like to be delivered from a lot of terrors and right there, I was trying to use the Golden Gate Quartet to relieve uh, John Cale of his screaming fit of fear. That was a peel session of that very well-known Cale song. I play a lot of him, don't I? I think I do. Seems like I do. I don't know. And Bugarin's from uh, Brazil, top of that. So kind of a theme there, kind of. I don't know. Fear's a big problem for me. Keeps, keeps me up at night. Along with grief. They're very tied in together. And I've been thinking a lot about grief because um, you might hear it in my tone. I don't know. It's just been a lot to deal with. Got me thinking about the uh, stages of grief. You know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. You know, those it's uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And uh, you've probably heard about that, but if you haven't, you can study it if you want to. But the thing is, these are stages, you know, of uh, grieving that that Kubler-Ross identified. And uh, they're not linear, you know. They It's not one and then the other and then the next and then the next. They, uh, they're just types of response to grief. 
and you're not necessarily going to always have each one of these stages, but it's helpful to look at them because it helps you get a handle on the nature of grief, the mechanics of grieving, and what the process is supposed to accomplish, which is the final stage, acceptance, so that you can go on and live your life, right? But I think that these stages, not only are they all not necessarily in sequence like that, or not necessarily all there, but they can also occur as parallel processes. You know, you can have um, threads of these stages going on at the same time independently for any number of reasons. You know, you grieve people that you've lost to death or estrangement, um, dreams and hopes that died, you know, pets, marriages that fail. Even the loss of one's nation, as silly as that idea might sound to someone who's uh, a nihilist or self-imagined one-world idealist or any number of other types of people who ain't me. I grieve a lot of things at once, and it's come to mind that it's important maybe to untangle what can often seem like one big bundle of losses and fears and take stock of where you are in each particular thread of this process. You know, because, um, you know, for instance, you may have accepted the loss of something or someone without overcoming the habits of mourning and grief, mainly because it overlaps with other ongoing grief processes, you know, other progressions of this. So it's maybe helpful to look at all of it and see where maybe places where you're stuck in a rut or have actually overcome something, kind of sweep them out of the way and focus on the things you can actually identify and affect. Because the point of it all is to come out on the other side. Loss is like a cliff that you come to, you know, and uh, there's this darkness ahead of you. And you have to step out off of that cliff and hope that a bridge appears beneath your feet. It's not easy. But you do this to get to the other side and enjoy what there is to enjoy in living. Now, after all of that hoo-ha, um, might sound really pretentious if I say that I hope this show contributes to that in your life. I mean, that's really the way I do it personally, for me. And part of what I'm doing for me is trying to share that. These songs, uh, a lot of them, most of them, I think, mean something. They really mean something. They carry something. I think they do. Anyway, I have a nice piece here sung by a uh, baritone I really enjoy, William Parker. The lyric of the song was from a poem by uh, Walter Delamere, an English writer who did a lot of children's poetry. Really, real favorite of mine because he evokes a, uh, a real strange, lonesome, wistful feeling that I've savored since childhood. Don't know quite else how to put it. it uh, it's, it's a feeling of uh, bark cloth and mothballs and late afternoon shadows and being alone and dreaming of things. This song is based on a poem from a book called Peacock Pie, and it's a kind of pastoral miniature. Old Shellover, set to music by an American composer named Theodore Chandler. And as you listen to this conversation between these critters in this very short song, I want you to bear in mind that the uh, horny old gardener, that refers to his uh, calloused skin, right? He's like, a, like, like horns, you know? That, and uh, fat old cock, <laughs> that's a bird. Get your head out of the gutter. Come on. Mm-hmm. 
So you say you're going away now Can't say I blame you, girl Say you're going so far away I'll never see you again Well, that's up to you, girl Well, we've had a long time And only talked a bit Sat around drinking cider and things Sometimes even getting a little pissed Yeah, I guess you'd better be gone Could have been nicer I suppose, girl Maybe we could have gone to bed But with all those other fellas All trying it out on you Thought I'd just talk to you instead So we just sat and we talked a while Sometimes even hell and I often ignored you when I had a lay in mind But next day always told you like a friend Yeah, I guess you'd better be gone Little babies in the right and proper way And then you can go back on your good old pill Guess I shouldn't have told you I loved you, girl After all these years as friends Cause you don't know what it means, girl Say that thing in bed Yeah, I guess you'd better be gone But I've just one last thing to say to you, girl Take that journey home When you're all nice and secure In your new little world I'll still be far from alone I've fallen in love many times And I've often let it hurt But you're never gonna understand what all 
that means But maybe it's easier on your nerves Yeah, I guess you'd better be gone A.B. Washington telling us how heartaches are made. That was her biggest hit on the pop charts. She had a lot of uh, soul hits in the early 60s, mostly, I guess. Early tracks were kind of more uh, kind of doo-wop-ish. And then she got into this more what they call, I don't know, popcorn soul type of thing. Stuff is real popular with those uh, English northern soul enthusiasts. But a pretty underrated artist, I think. Before that, speaking of heartache, Mike Hart. (laughs) With his song, Almost Liverpool 8. I don't know. I don't know if I'm completely in his corner on this one because he gets a little self-pitying, you know. I don't completely trust his take on this thing, you know. I think he might be being unfair to the girl. But uh, clearly, you know, he's been hurt. And you're not going to deny that 
the pain of a person like that. You know, I don't know the other side, so what am I going to say? I don't like being put in the position where I have to judge this, so, you know, uh, just cut me some slack, you know, that's all I'm saying. He was a member of the Liverpool scene. I think I might have played them before, maybe not. Um, some of them went on to join Grimm's with uh, other members of the Bonzo Dog Band and Scaffold, and so we've heard them before. And on his second album, which was called Chalky Basher Pongo and Me or something like that, I don't know, Vivian Stanchel himself appears on the album doing these weird interstitial skits that, um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting if you're a Stanchel completist like somebody I know. But uh, that one there, I think, is a real heartfelt and powerful piece. In terms of its feel, it puts me in mind a little bit of um, Handbags and Glad Rags. Rod Stewart's first big solo hit, I think. Mike Dabo wrote it. Did he? Was it Mike Dabo? Diabo? I'll look into that for you. I'll find that answer for you, because I know that it's going to be troubling you until I can answer it. But anyway, it puts me in mind of that kind of song, you know. Then there was a piece called Andi Nacht Geborenen. Let me double check that. You know, I'm looking at it, and that's about as close as I'm going to get it. It means to those born later. And uh, I guess they took it from a Bertolt Brecht poem. I don't know. You know, I, I had a period in my youth when I read a lot of Bertolt Brecht until I realized he was a fucking jerk off. Fortunately, it's an instrumental, so I don't have to think about the connotations. And that was by Deep Schrott, or Deep Schrott, or however you pronounce it, German band, uh, which uh, is a quartet of bass saxophones. And a lot of their stuff is really good. You would think that it's a kind of a limited format. And certainly the low nature of it and the instrumental nature of it puts things in a certain category that, that doesn't change that much, but there's a lot of variety within that context. It's kind of, I think, of a band like Morphine, which was all very low. All the instruments were really low and uh, naturally has takes on a darkness, but when you get into their music, there's also a lyricism in a lot of it that is a little unexpected. Before that, we had the electric flag with Sitting in Circles, a song by keyboardist Barry Goldberg. He's done versions of that song, too, and I, don't, I wouldn't recommend them. That's the one you want right there from their debut album, Long Time Coming, which was not a big hit at the time, but had an impact. Mike Bloomfield, Buddy Miles, uh, and some other people that became big names at the time. Every time I hear that song, in my mind, I segue it into or out of Woman, Woman by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, and here I had a perfect chance to actually make manifest that very medley and I failed to do it I don't know why perversity the imp of the perverse but anyway the two songs have a lot in common in the chorus there compare and contrast get back to me with notes and at the top of that set was uh, as mentioned old shellover ladies and gentlemen your attention please Lower your head and please slide all the way across the seat for the guests who are unable to stop drinking or smoking on the platform. Thank you. Thank you. 
to be morning I'm caught in the wind's eye Can't laugh and I won't cry You don't love me You don't love me One tree top bends in the wind Too far along to begin Once we start trying to see I hear them whisper You don't love me, you don't love me To be morning, I'm caught in the winds. I can't laugh and I won't cry. You don't love me, you don't love me. Nah, something kind of weird happened there. I'm going to explain to you. When I'm doing these shows, a lot of times I have a number of pieces kind of stacked up on different tracks. And uh, in my DAW, you know what that is, a DAW? Yeah, it's a digital audio workstation, I guess that's what it means. But anyway, it's these programs like uh, GarageBand or Pro Tools. In my case, it's Reaper. I put songs on each of these different tracks and edit it and organize it. And a lot of things I put up there I don't use. They get cut from the show. But while I'm working on it, I have little stacks of them sometimes and they overlap each other. So that happened just there. I usually just fix it, but this time I just went with it. And what happened there was you had a track by Ruth Ann Friedman that you just heard, entitled Too Late To Be Morning. And Next to that, on the same track, before that, I had a tune by uh, an artist named Terry Rollerai, or Rolleri, called Malibu Barbie. And on another track, alongside those, it was a piece by Kanlan Nankaro, the American composer, and it played behind those other two tracks in a way that I found uh, enjoyable. I left it that way. I, I mean, no disrespect to any of the artists. 
by doing that. It's just a, a way of listening to things. <laughs> and that's what you listen to. So let's see, I'll talk about Conlon Nancaro. He's an American composer, uh, 20th century, avant-gardist, I guess you'd call him. He did a lot of pieces for player piano, where he would write these things that are physically impossible to play, but that, of course, a machine could play. And uh, if you've got the head for it, his stuff is really worth listening to. That particular piece, the string quartet number three, uh, from the 80s, I think it is, is uh, actually really beautiful. If you have a taste for that vinegary kind of harmony and long static passages, uh, I'd send you there. I think it's really worth listening to. Conlon Nancaro's String Quartet Number 3. Okay, and superimposed over that, Ruth Ann Friedman was, uh, well, is a performer, singer-songwriter. Well, I'm tempted to say was because she had a career very brief in the late 60s and retired and then was... Uh, coax to come back out. We've talked about people like that in the past. It's very nice to see that happen to artists. Her big claim to fame was that she wrote the song Windy. I wish I wrote the song Windy. It's got to be a pretty good annuity. But she's very talented and that's a touching song, I think. And then before that, Terry Rolleri or Rolleri or whatever, that's a self-released album from 1990 called Out in the West. And I'd recommend checking that out if you're into like the Fripp Eno type of stuff or um, maybe some new age guitar kind of things. That, that, that term seems kind of pejorative, it's a new age. It's, it isn't, it's just another category that people use. I like to think of it just as music. Categories can be helpful in discussing things just to give people an idea of what something is. But they can also be very limiting. Doing this show, as you must imagine, I'm always stopped on the street by people who won't ask me questions about music. They think I know everything. It's crazy. You know, I'm flattered, but come on, man. I guess what I'm most frequently asked to weigh in on is uh, which is the greatest middle-of-the-road singer-songwriter who died tragically in a vehicular accident of some kind. And yeah, I know everybody's going to say, you know, John Denver, everybody's going to say Harry Chapin. I'm sticking with Jim Croce. Now, I was never really a fan. I got nothing against him either, but I was never a big fan. But that song I love, I Got a Name. It's a great melody, and I think the lyrics are nice. A little corny, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, it's a, um, it's an anthem or hymn to individualism. I know that according to the Smithsonian Institution, individualism is one of the symptoms of whiteness. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've got to deal with that. I've got, to, I've got to really deal with that on my own terms. I've got to really t have a reckoning. I really have to have a reckoning about that. I'm going to work. I'm going to do the work. Top of the set was a song by Mateel, which is the name of the band and the singer. Her name is Mateel Brown. Keep the Change is the name of that, and it's from about four years ago or something like that. I heard it one time in the gym. I was working out, and uh, yeah, believe that. Yeah, I was working out, and that song came on, and uh, I caught a little bit. It was one of the few songs you'd hear in that gym, that, if not the only one, that actually took my headphones off and started listening to that, and I said, I kind of like it. it I like the way she belts. There's something about it that's weak and strong at the same time. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. But I guess that covers that set, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so what do you what do you make of that, right? I mean, is that a polka? I guess it's a polka, but it's like a pop tune. I, I, I don't know what the idea with that one was. I don't know what they mean by make up your chubby mind. What is a chubby mind? I've heard the word chubby used referring to, uh, obviously, weight, you know, um, physical weight. I've heard it referred to a semi-erection. I couldn't tell you what John Hall and the Lemon Drop Band were thinking with that one. I was kind of interested in it, though. I looked into the guy. He was a uh, kind of an entrepreneur, a local entrepreneur in, I think, Wisconsin in the 60s. And he had a nightclub called Teen Town and a label by, I think, the same name, produced records, performed on records. We actually heard a song that he produced on an earlier show, Tony's Tigers, Little by Little. I don't know if you remember that one. And he also had a psych band called the Unchained Minds. Minds with a Y, mind you. <laughs> maybe that's uh, maybe that's a chubby thing to do. Put a Y instead of a, an I in your mind, it's chubbier than an I, right? But I want to look more into Teen Town Records because there's something kind of dorky and appealing about these records to me. I can't tell you what it is. I'm in the middle of research on this one. Before that, you had Jasmine Steve Kuhn with the meaning of love. It's kind of pretty and kind of spacey. It's a lot of things at once, that one. He did that in 1971, collaborating with Gary McFarland, who coincidentally, as I was putting the show together, I got a, a link to an album by Gary McFarland from our friend Jim Allen. And uh, I've heard a little of it so far. I'll, I'll get into it on a future show. Uh, amazing stuff. They did some wild things together. Um, worth looking into top of that noise serve from portugal this is a single guy like a lot of these electronic records his name is david santos good old portugal man they got the uh, they got the really good sardines in portugal and david santos has a lot of really good electronica type music you should listen to and i think that record is from the year 2013 Speaking of obscure 60s pop psych, and I was just a minute ago, if you'll recall. Here's a track by the Sapphire Thinkers, great album from 1968. This is called Blues on You.
just but swift Through the grounds we must shift Bathe by moonlight to my horse Quietly we'll go For no one must know That we are bound to a love Opinions we reject Escape from the rules that we made We share love inside But your father denies And now we are forced to elope Swift through the grounds we must shift Bathe by moonlight to my horse Quietly we'll go For no one must know That we are about to elope We are about to elope We are about to elope Now, I know you think I probably forgot about it because that would be just like me, wouldn't it? But uh, I haven't. It was Mike Daabo, or Dabo, I don't know how you pronounce it, who wrote Handbags and Glad Rags for Rod Stewart. Well, he didn't write it for Rod Stewart. He wrote the song for uh, himself, I guess, when he was the lead singer of Manfred Mann. But I think Chris Farlow recorded it. He really annoys me, so I, I don't even want to hear his version. I'm, I just don't like Chris Farlow. Nothing personal, just a voice, you know. But uh, what I didn't know is that Mike Dabo, Dabo, played piano and arranged the Rod Stewart version. So he's very involved in this. So it's Dabo approved. Anyway, what you heard there was uh, The Allen Bound. Yeah, that's the name of the act. The Allen Bound. With an exclamation point, mind you. uh, Just like... Gutfeld. I know, I know you're a fan, right? Yeah, yeah, we watch it every night, right? I know, I know. Alan Bound is a trumpeter, led the band. Early on, they had a great kind of soulful vocalist 
named Jess Roden, who left for a solo career. And when he left, the album he was working on, I think it was their third album, he had done all the vocals for it, and then he split before the album was released. So they wiped all his vocals and got Robert Palmer to replace them. Yes, that Robert Palmer. And there he was on the number Elope. Before that was a number called Green by Robo Hands from 2018 or 19. Nice album, also entitled Green. Another one of these one-man acts, an Englishman named Andy Baxter. And it's full of good cuts. I'll play some more stuff in the future. But for now, with the show kind of winding down, uh, I'm going to play that Rod Stewart song, Handbags and Glad Rags. Cross the road Trying to make the other side Ever seen a young girl Growing old Trying to make herself a Today, 
So I suggest you just throw them all away And that's in the glad ones that your poor old granddad had to sweat to buy I was rich as I could be in my coat of many colors. 
my mama made for me, made just for me. Somewhat repetitive, I dare say, but I think it's an okay kind of song. It was written by John Stewart, not that one. This one was in the Kingston Trio. Wrote the song Daydream Believer that the Monkees did. Had a big hit called Gold. I remember, man, in 1978, you heard that song everywhere. But now guess who that was doing John Stewart's song? It was the association, right? It didn't sound like him, did it? The latter day version of the association. And I kind of like it, although it gets a bit much and I faded it early. Not that you could tell, but trust me, the rest of it was pretty much exactly the same thing. We've talked before about that whole thing, you know, after after Hey Jude with that na-na-na-na that went on for two hours, everybody started doing this, we're all one kind of chanting on their songs. And that was supposed to really, you know, have some kind of a, Impact. Yeah, it has an impact there, right? Impacts me right to sleep is what it does. <laughs> There's that one. And then before that, I had a pair of songs about uh, young girls and clothing with very different perspectives. Now, the first one we talked about before, handbags and glad rags, and uh, I'm not sure I, uh, just like with Mike Hart earlier, I'm not sure I trust Rod Stewart on this one. You know, he, he's kind of judgy, you know what I mean? 
Like a real scold. What a scold Rod Stewart is on that one. I mean, let the girl, give the girl a break. Sure, she ought to show some appreciation for the toil her granddad puts in so she could buy all this crap she tarts around in, but... You know, she's a young girl. Let her enjoy herself a little bit. But uh, you know, I, I get, I get the protective instinct. She's dropping out of school. Meh, you know, so uh, jury's out. I'm on the fence there. But Rod Stewart, I might trust him a little more if his intonation was more on point. You know what I'm saying? Now, by contrast, Dolly Parton, her intonation is kind of flawless, right? And the song is just, I think, beautiful. I think it might be her greatest song, "Coat of Many Colors." A true childhood story, evidently, and I find really touching, you know, uh, family love and uh, the, uh, the horrible experience of bullying from classmates, mockery and dismissal. You know, you would, you would think she had the wrong political opinion or something. Right now I'm very bitter on, on people, you know, I, uh, very bitter on school personnel very bitter on medical personnel and I've got good reason for both things but I'm not going to get into that in fact I'm not going to get into a lot of things that I thought I was going to talk about like our trip to Knobles and everything because uh, I'm a little drained and I'd rather discuss those things in a more uh, sunny frame of mind because you deserve that and actually, one of the commissions that I've been mentioning uh, has been held up because of that. I needed to go on the trip to Knobles to complete it. And uh, that'll be coming up soon, along with a whole bunch of these other ones that are going to be dumped one after the other. So I don't know when the next regular show is going to come. Those of you who still listen to this, despite the abundance of summertime activities and the sudden relative freedom from lockdown... I thank you very, very much. It means a great deal to me. Get in touch if you feel like it. I'd appreciate it. I always like hearing from people. Uh, those on the Patreon, I want you to know that I, uh, as I mentioned on an earlier show, I'm giving some money from the Patreon to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. I'm also donating a portion to the St. Jude Hospital for Children. So there you go. That's where some of your money's going as well as uh, helping me do these things. I bought a uh, little piece of gear, not an expensive piece, but a critical piece of gear to work on music. And what I'm hoping to do is this album that I've been hemming and hawing about doing, or I don't know, album, but a bunch of songs. I'll be doing them, and I'm going to be putting them only on the Patreon. So that'll be an ongoing project. I don't know when that'll start turning up. But those of you who are contributing to that thing every month or making that happen and I thank you for that um, I'm going to end it today with two songs called The End one is a kind of a dorky song by Linda and you know that's the that's the thing about the show today right a lot of uh, kind of middle of the road and dorky stuff right is, isn't that you get that feeling I don't know I don't know why but uh, so be it anyway Linda Ball The End this is a single 69 maybe this was written by Ian Whitcomb. He did that sort of retro 20s song, You Turn Me On, a while back, and he wrote a pretty authoritative book on the uh, years of classic American popular song, the Gershwin and Cole Porter era, and earlier. Um, but by the way, that music is also going to comprise a couple of specials that are going to be up immediately almost on the Patreon. Uh, Ian Whitcomb wrote it, and 
Roger Nichols produced and arranged it, and he was the co-writer on a lot of Paul Williams' big hits. Ian Whitcomb, by the way, just died last year, so uh, a little toast to him. So anyway, two talented guys, Nichols and Whitcomb, and somehow they produced this, this weirdly dorky record that I, I like, I like. And then one of my doo-wop edits, another song called This Is The End, by a band called The Twisters. And that'll be that for another Buckaroo Holiday. I thank you, I wish you love and luck, and hope to see you next time. Here's Linda Ball. Mm-hmm.